Hello, people of the way. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, turn to Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus 13. It's very important as we continue our study in the law uh, through Leviticus. Uh, number one, I'm never going to get tired of saying this, but uh, that the, sh- the the law is a shadow. Uh, uh, it points to Jesus Christ, a shadow of the things to come. Uh, but also very important, we look at in chapter 13, it's concerning the law of leprosy. Uh, and in the law of leprosy, you know, there are aspects about our life today, which I mean, like I know people that have eczema, psoriasis, certain skin diseases, skin disorders. And, you know, it's not to say like, hey, you know, it's evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, it's like, you know, if you've ever talked to somebody who has like uh, psoriasis, severe psoriasis, and then sometimes they read the Bible or, you know, if they're believers, they read the Bible and then they're like, like hardcore questions are being posed. Like, wow, you know, is this evil in the sight of the Lord? Am I dirty in the sight of the Lord? And not so much with psoriasis, you know, that's just an example. But, you know, that's the dangers of going back to the law. You know, when you talk to these people and they'll read passages and pinpoint certain passages of Holy Scripture and they'll say, you know, oh, look, the Bible says this here. You know, does that mean I'm unclean? Does that mean that I'm not saved? Very valid questions, entirely valid questions. But when we reflect on these passages, it's to say, wait a second, who are we in Jesus Christ? What is my identity in Jesus Christ? What is your identity in Jesus Christ? You know, it's of the utmost importance to understand these things because the enemy is the one who will whisper in your ears and you say, you see, you're not right in God's eyes and then will pull you away from the cross. That's what he wants to do with you, me, and all who believe is to pull us away from the cross and then ultimately further and further and further away from Jesus Christ until he can attempt to kill us. But we don't let him. We fight. We fight this, the, the good fight of faith. And we tell others about Jesus Christ. That's the, the warrior class. And you know, sometimes, you know, the, the very valid issues. It's, to me, it's, it's kind of sad, but in a good way. Sad, not like in a uh, depressing kind of way, but sad in a... Uh, I mean, how do I put this? If you've ever talked to somebody where... I mean, say, for example, if um, if a, 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 a four-year-old boy comes to you and says, oh, I need help with a math problem. And you think, sure, no problem. You know, the, you know, this plus this plus this equals this or whatever the equation is. But then say, for example, you know, uh, it's 10 years later and, you know, the, the 14-year-old boy comes to you and says, Hey, I need help with this question. I have a question. What is, what is this equal? How do I do this arithmetic? And it's not sad like, you know, you're depressed. It's not sad like, you know, it, it's any kind of uh, 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 depression going on inside of you. But it's kind of sad because it's like, wow, you know, you should know these things. To tell a four-year-old, wow, you should know how to do this, you know, five times five times five or whatever. But then to tell a 14-year-old, wow, you know, it's... It's a little sad, not in a depressing way, like it's going to you know, bring us down to you know, a point of uh, a, a, a depression, but to get us to a point where it's like, wow, you know, this 14-year-old should know these things. And that's what I mean when I say it's kind of sad. 
Because, you know, if you've ever had somebody come to you and say, you know, they'll po- point a passage of Scripture. And they'll say, hey, does this mean that, you know, that it's, I'm not right in God's eyes? It's like, no, no, no. Not in a bad way, like, you know, oh, I dare you. But like, in, in, in the sense of like, look, you're fine. You know, it's to make sure you are confident in who you are in Jesus Christ. And I don't mean confident like any kind of pride or anything like that. But when I say confident, it's to say, you know, know who you belong to. It's very important. Know who you belong to. Because, you know, Satan, he tries, he makes all these attempts to bring us down. And he'll, do, he'll use whatever means necessary. Whatever it takes. Remember, he has no moral standard. No moral standard whatsoever. He'll do whatever it takes to pull you away from Jesus Christ. You can't let him. You cannot let him. And you know, what's, what blows me away so much is, you know, how the Lord protects us. I shouldn't be blown away because he promises it, but I'm still blown away. You know the Bible, you read the Bible, and you start to learn, you start to matriculate. You go from first grade to fifth grade to tenth grade to college level to, you know, keep on going. And you'll never, you know, you're, you're, when you reach, like, you know, when you're done, you'll be dead. You know, it's not to put like an age class or anything. But at the same time, to understand that the Lord will protect you from His Word and through His Word. Because the enemy will whisper something in your ear and you know it. You're like, no, that's... Get the hints behind me. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. But it's still kind of sad when somebody asks these questions. And, you know, it's one thing if it's like a four-year-old. You know, even, you know, age number-wise or age in the faith. You know, somebody who's been a believer for, say, four months. They just don't know these things. But then what about somebody who's been a believer for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? And that's the danger when when church becomes a social club. Because you can have 40-year friendships. 40-year friendships, 40-year relationships, but almost like zero-year relationship with Jesus Christ. The one that matters. The only relationship that matters when it comes to eternity. And, you know, when we read these passages about the law, this law of leprosy, do you remember how a couple chapters ago I presented you with a challenge and I said, I want you to start considering your life as an aroma to the Lord. And the, the, the challenge was, what aroma do you want to present to the Lord? This is part of that. Not so much in the sense as, as a burnt offering unto the Lord, But when we read these passages, we're going to see what is clean when a person is unclean and the steps that the Lord puts in place to make a person clean. And chapter 13 and 14 are kind of congruous. And, you know, today we're just going to look at chapter 13, depending on how far we get. There's quite a bit of uh, verses in chapter 13, but they go pretty, pretty quickly. But to understand the concept of a person being unclean, and then on top of that, an unclean garment. If you look at verse 2, it says, When a man has when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore. And then you look at verse 7, But if the scab should at all spread, 
And then you look at like verse 18, if the body develops a boil on the skin in verse 24, or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire in verse 29, if a man or woman has a sore on the head or, or, uh, uh, or the beard. And then in verse 47, also, if the garment has a leprous plague in it. It's very interesting to see the things that the Lord is concerned about. Remember, this is the law, but the law is a shadow of the things to come. And what are the things to come? God's people with a dirty garment. God's people who themselves become dirty. How does that happen? Sin and the sin nature. You know, it's not to look at the law and say like, oh, wow, you know, you know, I have leprosy, so I have to do this, this, this in accordance with the law. It's to say, no. What is dirty in the eyes of the Lord? And that's what, we, that's what we learn and understand when we read the entirety of Scripture. What the Lord deems as unclean and what He deems as clean. And how He makes a person clean. The Old Testament is one way, but as New Covenant believers, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And just as, you know, we might not get there today. We'll see how far we get it. But in verse 47 says also, if a garment has a leprous plague in it. But you know, what happens when you wear Jesus Christ? When Jesus Christ makes you clean, but then at the same time, he gives us himself as a garment to wear. You say, what are you talking about? A garment to wear? Yes, a garment to wear. Really quick, as a little precursory study, let's look at Romans 13. Turn to Romans 13, really quick. In Romans 13, verse 11, Paul is writing to the church of Rome, and this is what he says in verse 11, chapter uh, Romans 13, 11, and do this. You know, I have to say, you know, as a, a pastor, you know, I, I'm very cautious in telling people, hey, do this, you know, because I don't, I, 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 I try as much as I can. I try to make it as clear as possible that I don't want to lord over anybody's faith. I don't want to, you know, be dictatorial and say, okay, you know, you do this, do this, do this. That's not my role. You know, I want to teach. The Lord called me to teach, so I'm going to teach. But you know what happens when the word goes inside somebody's ear hole and into their mind, into their heart? What happens? That's, that's beyond my control. It's beyond your control when you do that too. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work inside somebody. If the person's heart is right. If the person's heart is not right with the Lord, you know, read Luke 8. And the Word of God tells us what happens inside of a, a person's heart. Male, female, it doesn't matter. What is the condition of a heart? You know, where does the seed go when it hits the heart? And Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he straight up says, you know, do this. When I tell you I, I'm cautious in telling people, hey, do this, or you should do this, because the Word of God tells us everything we need. The word became flesh. He tells us exactly everything we need. So, you know, I take a back seat, but I love how when Paul, he just says, you know what? Do this, guys. In verse 11, that's what he's doing right here. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. He's saying, hey, don't slumber. Don't be a lazy guy. Don't be a lazy lady. It's, t- it's high time. Not just it's time. It's high time. To awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, 
let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put arm on put on the armor of light. You know what that is in verse 11 or verse 12? Uh, cast off the works of darkness. That's reckoning the old man dead. The works of your flesh before you came to Jesus Christ. The works of my flesh before I came to Jesus Christ. Is to cast it off. Throw it away. Get rid of it. The works of the flesh. The works of darkness. And he says, let us put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You see, when he says put on the Lord Jesus Christ, it literally translates in the Greek to seek in, to sink into a garment. You know, I used to, when I was a kid, I never had pajamas. You know, I would wear my dad's t-shirts, you know, so I like have my dad big old t-shirts. It was like a big humongous robe and I loved it so much. Then I started to get big and his t-shirts fit like my t-shirts, like a regular t-shirt. But when I was little, man, it was so cool. I'd wear my dad's t-shirts and it was like that to sink into a garment, to sink into a garment. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, put on Jesus Christ. Yeah, we have our old nature. But the Lord gives us a new garment. That's the garment of the flesh. And the Lord Jesus Christ gives us a new garment. It's himself. That's what Paul is saying here. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. No provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And that's what Paul says. Verse 11 says, do this. It's high time to awake out of sleep. It's very imbecilic. To live a life like that. Satan is the one that doesn't want you to believe that. Satan is the one who says, Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the Lord's going to tarry. Go ahead, go do, you know, go do your drugs. Go do your crack. Go do your sexual stuff. That's the enemy. He doesn't like people to realize what he's doing. He's very, he's quite the tactician, Satan. Because he doesn't want you to realize certain things of the flesh. He doesn't want me to realize certain things of the flesh are carnal in nature to where, you know, activities of the flesh, they pull us away from Jesus Christ. One step in the wrong direction. And, you, you, know, one, you know, like just like we talked about, about a transgression sidestep. A sidestep isn't, you know, falling off the cliff. What's dangerous is sidestep, 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 sidestep. That's where it gets dangerous. Because you get further and further and further away from Jesus Christ. Old Testament and New Testament. There's laws about transgression in the, in the Old Testament. But that's not to say that transgressing is impossible as Christians. No, it's entirely possible. You know, go back, reflect, listen to our sermon from uh, uh, about transgression. You know, that's, when I say it's imbecilic, it's to say, wait a second, let's grow, let's mature in Christ. And when you mature in Christ, what do you do? The, 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 the battlefield becomes more of a reality. You say, what do you mean battlefield? Well, you know, you wouldn't take a first grader and put him or her in a combat scenario. But no, that first grader needs to grow, you know, third grade, fourth grade, 10th, 
11th graduate and then, you know, enlist and then all of a sudden get trained up and then, you know, attached to a unit and then deploy and boom, you know, that person, male, female is now a threat. That's what the Lord desires in you and in me to be a threat to the forces of evil. Satan and his demons, his minions. You know, you look at the church today, and this is no knock on the church, but I, I, honestly, I don't think Satan is threatened by a lot of the Christians that are in church. I, I really don't think he's threatened. I think the ones who he is threatened of, if, 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 if there is a, a threat, are probably... The young kids and the very old. The very young and the very old. The very old because they've matured, hopefully, in Christ. And the young kids because their faith is, like, so strong. Everybody else, all the, you know, middle-aged, 20-year-olds, 30, 40, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds even. I, I, I I don't think that group of people is much of a threat. And I know that sounds terrible to say it that way. But look at the church today. You know, in Western cultures, you know, I, I reside in, a, in the Western United States. And so, you're like, in certain cultures, it's like, I don't know what it's like where you're listening. But in this culture, I don't think the enemy is threatened. You look at the book of Acts. When uh, the evil spirit says, you know, Jesus I know, Paul I know. But who in the world are you? Remember? Sons of Seba? And the uh, Jewish exorcists? We studied that a couple weeks ago in the book of Acts. Who, are, who in the world are you guys? He wasn't, uh, this evil spirit wasn't threatened by them. But where was the Holy Spirit? Remember there's the baptism of John. Which is belief, the baptism of repentance. But then at the same time, where's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The means by which we're able to live the Christian life. The means by which we're able to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And the means by which we're able to walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. The exhortation that Paul has is to say, hey, put on Jesus Christ. A lot of people have not reckoned the old man dead, have not reckoned the old woman dead. You know what that means? They're still alive. The carnal nature is still alive, alive and well. Fully capable for exploitation of Satan. When the old man and the old woman isn't dead. Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 8 really quick. Matthew 8. That's why I said, you know, put on Jesus Christ. You know, we're in Leviticus, but we're going to look at these new covenant teachings. Romans 13 was one. The second one is Matthew 8. Matthew 8 verse 1. A little refresher course since we've studied Matthew 8 already. But here in verse 1, it says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him. This is a leper. You know, in accordance with the law, he was unclean. That's what we're going to read about. In our passage in Leviticus 13, he's unclean. There are certain rules for leprosy and what a leper has to do to proclaim his uncleanness. 
except this leper comes to Jesus Christ and worships him. As it says here in verse 2, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Look, number one, look at his faith that he has. Consider this leper. He has to follow Jesus Christ at a distance because he was unclean because of his leprosy. He couldn't be near. He, he couldn't be. He had to kind of ostracize himself. So everything he heard, maybe he heard little bits and pieces. But whatever he heard, he believed. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, in verse 3, put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Translated as to be purged and purified. I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You see, that's why we studied the concept of Jesus being a rewarder of faith. You know, a lot of times there's a lot of things that can come against our faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. One of those things is logic. Another one of those things is intellect. I'm not saying, you know, take your logic, take your intellect and throw it out the door. I'm saying take your logic, take your intellect and dethrone it and place faith in its place. You know, logic and intellect are beautiful things, beautiful tools. You know, they're very dangerous masters, though. Very, very dangerous masters. And so he says here, immediately his leprosy was, was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. You know, hey, keep it secret. Don't tell anybody. But go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift or the sacrifice that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You see what he says? He says, to, you know, don't tell anybody, but do what the law says. You say, whoa, why is the fulfillment of the law saying, you know, do what the law says when the law is already fulfilled in Jesus Christ? Why is Jesus telling somebody to do what's in the law if the law is done in Christ? Well, he says exactly the reason why. It's a testimony to them. It's a witness to them. And in accordance with the law, and we'll, we'll touch on this more in, 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 in Leviticus 14, but the identifying in Leviticus 13 is the identifying somebody who has leprosy. And then in Leviticus 14 is the process by which a person is cleansed from leprosy, which requires sacrifice. It was a little message to the priest. This guy, he was using this guy as a vessel to minister to the priest and reveal who Jesus Christ was, the Son of God, the sacrificial lamb. Jesus Christ says, don't, don't, don't tell anybody. But show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He was using this guy. I mean, in a good way. I mean, using him to, like to say, to reveal himself to the priests. But the priests were still blind. I wonder, you know, how many of those priests or anybody who had uh, pharisaical leanings I wonder how many of them believed by certain accounts such as this. Because remember, there were uh, former Pharisees that were in the church in Jerusalem who believed. I wonder how many of them, you know, uh, had eyes to see and ears to hear. Maybe not at first, but in the course of time, if, you know, their hearts got softer to where they said, you know what, I believe. You say, you mean there were Pharisees in the church? But yes, there were former Pharisees in the church. 
they were the ones who started to tell people, hey, if you if you want to be a Christian, you have to be circumcised. And, you know, the church had some beef about that. They had, you know, uh, Paul and uh, 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 Barnabas, uh, they had no small disagreement, remember? They had some major beef about it. And so they went back to Jerusalem. And then, you know, they started to say, well, okay, they discussed it, they prayed about it, and they came up with an answer. And then Paul, they went back, they went back out into the world to say, hey, let's, let's get things straight. It's so beautiful how these passages teach us about this uncleanness and how the Lord deals with uncleanness. It's not to say, you know, like any kind of skin disease or disorder, then you're evil in the sight of the Lord. But as a shadow of the things to come, to see leprosy as, you know, uncleanness in a spiritual sense. What are those things that can make you or me unclean? What are those things that can make you or me unclean? Or, you know, a sidestep in the dirty direction. It's the works of the flesh. And we should not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's the warning that Paul gave to the church in Romans 13. So keep that in mind as we look at these next several chapters in Leviticus 13 and 14. Because yes, it's a shadow of the things to come. But that's not to say that, you know, it, it's over completely. And when I say that it's not over completely... It's spiritually speaking. The Lord wants you to be unclean. Or the Lord wants you to be clean. He doesn't want you to be unclean. And His cleanliness is it's to be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we're washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's now to put on Jesus Christ and wear Him and sink into Him. So let's look at verse 1 here. Let's go to Leviticus 13. We're going to kick off our studies here. In Leviticus 13, verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his son's priests. You know what I love about this? Is there's no mentions of doctors here. No, no mention of doctors. You know, I don't know what type of, you know, what... what, what uh, medicinal or medical levels, you know, the extent that they went through medically when somebody was injured or hurt. But there's no mention of, you know, going to doctors. And I'm not saying, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, if you're injured, if you're hurt, you know, don't go to a doctor. But I love how the Lord desires a reliance upon faith. You know, it's he says, no, go to the priest's. You know, un- uncleanness cannot be uh, cannot be uh, fixed medically. You have to go to Jesus Christ. You know, he's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Go to Jesus. You know, it's you know sometimes you know if you, you and, and I don't want to speak negatively about the medical field, but the medical field can only go so far. Psychological damage. You know, I, I've told you the story before. I don't know if. You know, if you're new, a new listener. But, you know, I had some severe marital problems. Severe marital problems. I mean, a while ago, like 20 years ago. And in the first several years of my marriage, it was rough. It was very difficult. You know, I almost murdered my wife. I wanted to murder my wife, and I almost did. And the Lord stopped me. 
you know, and in the act, not like, you know, oh, I'm thinking about murdering my wife. And then the Lord says, no, don't do that. It, I was in the act of murdering my wife and the Lord stopped me. And so, you know, we did some marriage counseling afterwards. And, you know, like all these counselors we went to, everybody said, you guys have to get a divorce. Christian counselors, uh, uh, secular counselors, pastors, elders, they all told us, get a divorce, get a divorce. And I knew that was wrong because the Bible says, I hate divorce. You know, praise the Lord that I read that verse. That was one of the early verses that I read. I hate divorce. So like when I heard all these people tell me, you know, get a divorce, get a divorce, get a divorce. I'm like, what? what kind of counsel is this? You're Christian. You're telling me to get a divorce. The Bible clearly says I hate divorce. And so it was like, whoa, you know, and then all of a sudden I started to realize, you know, the Lord, you know, he did a work inside of me. He like he he humbled me. I refused to humble myself. So what he did is he humbled me. And when he brought me to this place of humility, he healed me. He fixed me. And I love him. It's so beautiful what he does. I'm, I'm telling you my testimony. You know, it, it happened to me and the Lord did it in me. But he does it with everybody. If you let him. He does it with, he'll do it with you. He'll do it with anybody. That's what's so beautiful about meekness. And having a heart that's humble before him. Because he'll work with you, he'll work in you, and he'll fix you. For me, I had severe anger problems. You know, I was severely alcoholic. And the Lord healed me. You know, all the doctors I went to, they gave me counsel that was crazy. The counsel that they gave was false doctrine. And praise the Lord that I read that verse, I hate divorce. And I wonder, like, why is this so-called Christian guy telling me to do something that God hates? I knew. And I wasn't like a learned believer, but praise the Lord that he allowed me to read that verse. And I was very good at taking orders back then, you know. Back then I was like, you know, a robot, you know. I was very good at taking orders. So I read that verse, I hate divorce. Like, okay, he hates divorce, so, you know, we got to work it out. I just didn't know how. Like, when, you know, how am I going to do this? And I realized it wasn't me that did it. It's the Lord. I love it so much. And so, you know, he says, go to the priests. Go to the, he says, then he shall be brought to Aaron. Is the end of verse 2. Then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. They're not doctors. They're priests. You know, in the New Testament, what do you see? You see people bring all their sick to the apostles. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord was healing through them. There's people today that still have healing ministries. I have to say, you know, it, it, it kind of stinks that I have to say this, but be careful because a lot of them are charlatans. It's not to say that the gifts of healing is over, but man has made a mockery of it. Man has made a mockery of it. It's sad to say. It hurts me to say that, that we have to be careful with these things because you think of in the house of God, in, you know, in Christendom, you think a safe place to be would be the church, inside of the church. Sometimes that's a very dangerous place to be when it's a place filled with charlatans, when it's a place filled with false doctrine, when it's a place filled with wolves and hirelings and shills. So look at verse 3. The priest shall examine. Remember, he's not a doctor. The priest. But there's still this role that they have to keep people right before the Lord. 
what is this, you know, is this, uh, is this sore that you have? Is it, you know, is it clean or is it unclean? And if it's unclean, we have to deal with it. And if you're a pastor, elder, Bible teacher, you know, someone's going to come with you with a problem in life. They're going to say, oh, you know, I got this issue in life. And you're going to be like these priests. Not that you're the one cleansing, but you're the one that's used as a vessel that the Lord desires to use to bring a person into a state of cleanliness. A person's going to come to you and say, hey, I got this problem. You say, okay, you know, what's the problem? And then they open up to you. And it's like, okay. Oh, that's pretty heavy, you know. But they open up to you. And you say, okay, now let's deal with this. Let's pray. Let's pray. And you know what? It, it might take time to deal with this. But I'm going to be here right with you. Let's go. Let's do it together. You know. Step one, get rid of this stuff. You know, you stop drinking alcohol. Let me go to your house. Let me pour these bottles. Oh, but this is an expensive bottle. I got it when I was on vacation in Spain. I don't care. Do you want to do it or not? Oh, but that's an expensive bottle. Okay, you made your choice then. I don't know why you asked me for help. I want to help you. This is part of the help that I have to do as a Christian, as a pastor, as a Bible teacher. This is what I have to do. You don't want it? Okay. That's your choice. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I'll do it. Okay. Here, let's dump this alcohol. Let's put this crack in the toilet and throw it away. You know, let's flush the toilet. Take these dirty magazines. Let's go burn them. And you're going to be the one that burns them. And I'm going to be here right next to you. I'm going to watch you do it. Just burn it all. I'm going to go with you to the, you know, the, the store. And you're going to buy a little old flip phone. Nothing with no screen. So you can, you know, do your dirty things on your phone. You see, and, you know, and then somebody's going to come to you with these problems. And it's like, wow, okay, now let's pray. You know, you've, you've gotten rid of this. So, so okay, let's pray now. And let's ask the Lord for healing. This, this, this is, this is, it's, it's holy. You know, it, it shames me to say that, you know, that I have to give warning, you know, about charlatans in the church about healing ministries. But you, it's, it's true. You have to be very careful because of the charlatans out there. But healing ministries are very powerful. The ones done right in the eyes of the Lord. And they're pleasing to the Lord because what happens, people are clean. People become clean. Remember, you know, we, we, on communion Sundays, for some, uh, uh, some among you have died or even sleep when we read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Because when you partake of the elements of communion, if it's not done properly, he says, for this reason, many of you become sick. Some, some become sick or weak and even die. And there's this thing of, you know how a church can grow into a state of uh, being anemic, weak. You know how that comes? It's carnality. The carnal nature. Being alive in Christ is to throw away the carnal nature, the old man, the old woman. And I love this, a priest shall examine in verse 3. They're not doctors, they're priests. And you know, for pastors, elders, Bible teachers, you know, you're not a doctor. You might be a doctor, I don't know, but you know, you're not a doctor, medical doctor. You might have a doctorate in whatever, but you're not a medical doctor. You might be, I'm just saying, you know, 
majority. You're probably not a medical doctor. But we know a healer. What happens when somebody comes to you and you say, you give them the word, you pray with them, and say, hey, let's, let's, let's ask the Lord to heal us as a congregation, as a church body, as a, as a little fellowship. You say, you know, some might say to you, oh, it's just me with the problem. No, but we're in this together. You're not alone. I'm right here with you. Let's ask the Lord to heal us as a little fellowship, you and me. Let's ask the Lord to heal us. You see, one body, one body, many parts, one mind, one spirit, one Lord. In verse 3, the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body. And if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. So the priest is like an examiner. Medically speaking, yeah, maybe not medically speaking, but ceremonially speaking, in terms of being clean and unclean. I wonder if there were any priests, not just here or like any of Aaron's sons, the ones that were still alive, or future priests that thought like, well, I'm so unqualified, I can't do this. What about you? If the Lord calls you into ministry, and you're thinking like, whoa, I'm so unqualified for this. You know what? Join the club. You're in good company. You know, it's so, you remember who the Lord chooses. He chooses the base things of the world to shame the wise. And there's going to be times where the Lord calls you into whatever ministry. It's His choosing. He calls you here. He calls you here. He calls you there. He wants to use you, send you places, whatever. And you're thinking like in your heart, like, whoa, I'm so unqualified. Not me, Lord. Choose somebody else. You're in good company. Ezekiel thought the same. Jeremiah thought the same. Amos thought the same. He's say, I'm no prophet, nor the son of a prophet. And then you read Amos. And the Lord's like, okay, Amos, you're a prophet. You know, here we, are. we have the, the book of Amos. He's a prophet. And he even said, I'm no prophet, nor the son of a prophet. We have a book in the Bible titled after him. Amos. So you might think like, you know, oh, I'm no pastor nor the son of a pastor. I'm no minister nor the son of a minister. I'm no Bible teacher nor the son or daughter of a Bible teacher. Join the club. Join the club. It's beautiful. And so look here in verse 4. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white, then the priest priest shall isolate the one who has the sore seven days. So quarantine, a period of quarantining for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate isolate him another seven days. So more quarantine time. Then, uh, then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. You see? They say, okay, let's quarantine for a little bit. Take this guy, look at his sore. Okay. I don't know. It might be this, might be that, but let's rule it out. You're under quarantine seven days. Check him out seven days later. Okay, it hasn't spread. You seven days quarantine. You know, come knock, you know, another seven days. Hey, let me see the sore. 
go inside, you know, check things out. He shows you a sore. Wow, it's like, wow, praise the Lord, you're clean. You're clean, my friend. That's what's so beautiful, what the Lord does with you, with me, with all who believe. I don't care how filthy you are when you come to Jesus Christ. What I do care about is you come to Jesus Christ. I don't care, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. You can be drugged out and say, you know what, I believe. Okay, you know, praise the Lord that you believe, you know. Let's let this, you know, let's let the high die off. And people say, oh, I believe, you know, and maybe they're still tripping out. Let's let it, you know, die off. Do you still believe? Yeah, I still believe. It's like, praise the Lord. I wasn't trying to be mean. I'm just trying to make sure that, you know, you were in your right mind. Okay, hold my hand. Let me take you to Jesus Christ. And, you know, He deals with you. And then, you know, you've repented, come to Jesus Christ. It's like, okay, hold my hand. Let's grow together in Jesus Christ. It's not that I want to be a hand holder. It's not that, you know, anybody wants to be a hand holder. But I love how Paul says, you know what? Follow me as I follow Christ. We don't belong to this world. This world is fading. And you know what's so cool about the last days? As we get further and further into the last days. Number one, the Lord is going to make himself known. As surely as he lives, he will make himself known. Remember in Egypt when he was forgotten? He was forgotten by both Jew and Gentile. What happened? He made himself known. Exact same thing is going to happen in the last days. Exact same thing is going to happen. But you know what I love so much about the last days? You know, you don't need me to tell you that this world is going to hell. And I don't mean to say it like, you know, in a carnal sense. It literally like, you know, when, when the hell is let loose. And Satan and his minions, they know their time is short. So it's going to get worse. So when I say the world is going to hell, I don't mean it like, you know, like carnally speaking. I mean it like literally and spiritually speaking. You don't need me to tell you. Just turn on the TV, watch the news for five minutes. You're like, whoa, what in the world? This world's going to hell. You read the Bible, the world's going to hell. There you go. All the demons and minions let loose. What do you see? Hell on earth. You don't need me to tell you. I mean... You know, you don't need me to tell you because you witness it, you see it with your own eyes. But what you do need is somebody to tell you, hey, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm doing. I'm telling you about Jesus Christ. I don't care how filthy you are. I don't care about your past, what you've done, murder. I don't care. Not to say that, you know, you have to pay the price, that you don't have to pay the price. When you've come to Jesus Christ, I'll tell you, okay, you know, now we got to call the cops and tell, you know, confess to what you did. And you might spend the rest of your time, the rest of your days in prison. I'll come and visit you. It's not to say like, okay, you know, I'm gonna hide you now. You're a brother in Christ. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hide you, and you know. But no, you gotta, you gotta, you know, pay your price in accordance with this world. If you committed murder, embezzling, I don't know what it was, but I don't care what, what, whatever it was, I don't care. Sex, drugs, rock and roll is to say, well, you know what? You need Jesus Christ. Let me take you to the cross. If you don't know what I'm talking about, like, what do you mean repentance? Listen to our, uh, so we hit pause button right here and listen to, you know, uh, uh, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen to that and pray the sinner's prayer and then come back and listen again. So, you know, look at verse seven here. 
But if the scab should at all spread over the skin after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. You see, once a guy is clean, what happens when he becomes unclean? The steps, you know, the leprosy comes up again. The same thing happens to us as Christians. Not actual leprosy, but the condition of our flesh, our carnal nature. You know, it's called going back to the vomit. You know, the Lord saves you, say, sex or drugs or alcohol. You're a raging alcoholic. And the Lord pulls you out of that lifestyle and into His fold because He loves you. And you're in the fold of Christ. And then all of a sudden you hear me say every time, to time you know, from time to time how Satan is a fisherman. And you take the bait. You bite the bait and he pulls you out of that fold. And he'll get you drunk on whatever all over again. The Bible refers to it as a dog going back to his vomit. Don't be that way in Christ because you're dirty again. It's to be made dirty by the world. You know, Don't do that. It's to be alive in Christ and abide in Christ. Don't play games with God's grace. You say, whoa, you know, that sounds, you know, that sounds like a, a, a works-based salvation. No, I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. I'm talking about using the, allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work inside of you. The helper. The paracletus. You know, don't forget too in Romans 13 what we read. In Romans 13... Um, verse 11 at the end, the last part of the verse, he says, for now, for now, our salvation is nearer, nearer than when we first believed. You say, wait a second. I thought we come to Christ and we have salvation. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know, the workings of salvation, but the end of salvation, the end of our faith is when we're with Jesus Christ. You say, wait a second, I was told that I can never lose salvation. Well, you know what? Salvation can be lost. I hate to tell you like that, you know, kind of, you know, cut to the chase. But salvation can be lost. Because in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away from the faith. A great falling away from the faith. People who believe and then people in the course of time, they no longer believe. And the Bible calls that the great falling away. Don't fall away. Don't fall away. Because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Today, our salvation, today, your salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So what do I say? Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's fight. Let's fight together. Not together, you know, you know, I mean together like side by side, you know. <laughs> so look at what it says here, going back to Leviticus 13, verse 9. When the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it is turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling... It is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. 
this raw flesh, how it translates in the Hebrew, it's like the freshness of flesh. You know, it's it, it also translates as just the, 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 the freshness of the flesh, but it also translates as nakedness. Nakedness. I love how it translates into nakedness because you know what nakedness needs? Requires a covering. A covering. And when it says raw flesh, this freshness of the flesh, think of a scab that is picked. You know, you leave a scab alone, you get a cut, it gets hard, it turns into a scab, and then, you know, after a couple days, a couple weeks, you know, it's gone. It looks like there's nothing even there. Because there was healing that happened. But what happens if you keep, you know, scratching at the scab, you know, picking the scab, all these things. Number one, you're going to scar, but, you know, you keep picking the scab, it's going to take a longer time to heal. No healing in some cases, depending on, you know, how deep. It's just constant wound, you know, the raw flesh. There's no healing. Think of things in the flesh, the carnal nature. When the old man, the old woman is not reckoned dead. Say you're a raging alcoholic. Say you're a crackhead or you're a sex addict. And you believe in Jesus Christ. You come to Jesus Christ. You repent. But you start scratching the scab again. A little bottle over here, you know, some crack over here, you know, little sexual stuff over here. Well, you know what I say? Stop picking the scab. Cut it out. Don't do those things. You know, you were cleansed. Just read Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 6. You were cleansed. You know, once you're cleansed, they cleansed. Remember, Jesus Christ told all these people, He says, go and sin no more. Once the Lord heals you, the Lord will heal you. It's not to say you can play games with those things now. It's to have reverence for Him. Reverence for the fact that He cleansed you. Remember, it costs you absolutely nothing. You know what it costs God, our Father? His Son. It costs Jesus Christ His life. Because God loves you. I mean, have you ever had friends that were freeloaders? I mean, hardcore freeloaders. Say they make good money. They're just cheap. You know, and it's like, you know, you buy them a burger. You know, no thank you, no nothing. It didn't cost them anything. What did it cost you? Ten bucks? I don't know how much a burger costs these days. Ten bucks? Twenty bucks? You know, or Wendy's deal? Four for four? I don't know how that is. You know, and you have these cheap friends. It's like, yeah, you know, you're talking, you're like, man, no thank you, no nothing. And it's fine, you know, they're just cheap. Don't be that way with Jesus Christ. He'll heal you. And it doesn't cost you a thing. But don't take advantage of Him. Don't take advantage of His grace. Don't be that cheap friend that never says thank you. Always say thank you to the Lord. Lord, thank you. I mean, have you ever had moments in life where, you know, it's like you reflect on, man, you know, like say there's the stimulus, whatever it is. It could be sex, drugs, rock and roll. And you think like, man, 20 years ago, I would have done this. And today, it doesn't even bother me. You know, five years ago, I would have done this. Today, it doesn't even bother me. Like, Wow, thank you, Lord. Don't be the cheap friend. You know, don't be the freeloader. Be the one that says, thank you, Lord. Always, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you know what? He'll grow you. He'll mature you. 
he'll heal you even more. Like, in, you know, other, you know, as you die more and more, you read, you mature more. And, you know, sometimes the things that he wants you to die to are like five years ago, they were like little things. Like, oh, that's no big deal. But as you grow and matriculate and you learn more and he grows you more, then you realize, wow, this is a big deal in the sight of the Lord. And you start repenting for things that are going on in your mind. You think like, yeah, that's no big deal. It was just like a, you know, dirty thought in my head. And then you're actually repenting like, whoa, you know what, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I, I don't, why is this thought even coming? And then you like, you spend time in his words, spend time, spend, spend time with the Lord and you're praying. And you're like, wow, Lord, I don't want my mind to be dirty. This is a mind that's for you. This is a mind that's for your holiness, your holy presence, Lord. I don't want my mind to be dirty. I don't want to be thinking about the crack. I don't want to be thinking about the drugs. I don't want to think about the sex. I don't want to think about all this other stuff. Lord, this every day, this temple. I mean, we're going to see in future passages what happens with Israel. They have this beautiful, beautiful temple. in the Like in the early Old Testament, beautiful tabernacle. But what happens when the Shekinah glory leaves? You're going to see, see the state of Israel. There's sin in the camp. That's your vessel. Yeah, you might have, you know, you, uh, you might look good on the outside. You know, hair done's all nice. You know, you got the muscles. You got whatever. And you have a nice appearance, but filthy dirty on the inside. The Lord wants to deal with your inside. Where's the Shekinah glory? And that's what's so cool about when the Lord teaches us. You know, don't be an old uh, a dog returning to the vomit. You know, leave sin alone. Don't don't pick the scab. Leave it alone. You're a new creation in Christ. And so it says in verse 11, It is an old leprosy on the skin of the body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. You know, this is something that gets addressed further in chapter 14. When this guy, a person, you know, with leprosy, he's, he's isolated, but he's not isolated, but he's pronounced clean or unclean. But what happens, it's like there's a heavier price for the priest. It's, there, there's some more work involved for the priest. A heavy, heavy message for the pastors and elders of today, Bible teachers of today. Pleasing, too, in the sense of exhausting yourself for the sake of cleansing God's flock. You know, sometimes if you're a pastor, Bible teacher, sometimes somebody will listen to a sermon for an hour. You know, somebody will listen for a ser- to a sermon for 40 minutes, an hour, two hours maybe, and not even understand or even have a clue that behind that one-hour sermon, behind that two-hour sermon, was like 20 hours in study. 40 hours in study. And all they're listening to is just, you know, 40 minutes. But they don't see the 40 hours. That's what I mean when I say exhaust yourself. And study, time with the Lord, and praying for the flock, praying for God's people. Who cares what people see? People see the 40 minutes, people see the hour, people see the hour and a half. I mean, I shouldn't say who cares, you know. Uh, not that you know it's uh, for uh, on display for them. Yeah, people listen, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Time devoted, exhaustion. 
you know, being exhausted unto the Lord for the benefit of another person, for the hearer. Where their person has ears to hear, that's between them and the Lord. Pray for them. You know, that 20 hours, that 40 hours, that's intermixed with praying for the flock. That's what we're going to see these passages when you see godly priests and what they do for for, for for the Lord, unto the Lord, but for the benefit of the people. You see, not to lord over anybody's faith. In verse 12, look what it says here. And if leprosy, leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider. So there's a, you know, a, a pause there. You know, heavy responsibility for priests. You know, in the law. Heavy, heavy responsibility. This is something, you remember when the Lord took the life of Nadab and Abihu? The sons of Moses? Or the sons of Aaron? Something in their heart, you know, the Lord saw it wasn't right before the Lord. They offered the strange fire. And the Lord took their lives. The Lord consumed them with fire. This isn't like a carnal job, you know. If you're thinking like, wow, you know, this pastor makes, you know, X amount of dollars. I think I can do a better job, so I'm going to make X amount of dollars and maybe double it. If you're thinking like that, don't be a pastor. You're just, you know, sowing seeds of judgment unto yourself. If that's the case, if, if that's your heart. But if the Lord calls you in pastoral ministry and says, I want you to teach and I want you to care for these people, then do it. Because the Lord calls people out. That's what He does. He calls people out and uses them for ministry, uses them unto ministry, His ministry, and making people clean, being a messenger, and telling people about Jesus Christ. And so look what happens here. In verse 13, Then the priest shall consider, and indeed if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean, who has the sore. Translates as a plague. It has it has all turned white. He is clean. And you read this and you think, like, wait a second. He has leprosy all over his body and he's clean? I don't get it. But think about the filth of our own earth suits. Your own earth suit. Think about the filth. You know, there was a, a, a time period before Christ where you were dirty and filthy before the Lord. You come to Christ and, you know, you still get dirty. You still get filthy. That's it's part of our walk with the Lord. You're still not you're not going to be filthy like, you know, in terms of dying to sin. But you're going to be filthy still because the Lord is still working with your sin nature, your carnal nature, because we were born into sin. It's part of the human condition. Blame Adam, you know, blame Eve, Adam and Eve. It's part of the human condition. I blame Satan. He deceived them. But see, it's part of the human condition, being born unto Adam. You know, a sweet, sweet, beautiful baby, freshly out of the womb. So innocent. The next day, it's more corrupt. The third day, more corrupt. The fourth day, more corrupt. Every single day, more corrupt, more corrupt. And then finally, you know, you have the beautiful little five-year-old who's lying, you know beautiful little five-year-old who's disobedient to parents, beautiful little five-year-old who says cuss words, learned cuss words somehow, 
Hopefully not from mom and dad. Because if you learn it from mom and dad, you know, don't forget the Lord teaches us about the, the millstone for parents. He presents a good alternative, the better alternative for you know anybody who causes a little one to fall away. And a very heavy, hardcore message for parents. You say, whoa, I don't like that. Well, you know, you handle business. So, you know, you got to deal with it. And it's so cool how the Lord teaches us these things. But you come to Jesus Christ. You know, you're born in corruption. And then you come to Jesus Christ. We're still in corruption. The only time we're not in corruption is in our glorified bodies. When the corruption puts on incorruption, when the mortal puts on immortality, that's when we receive our glorified bodies. But you see this picture of like, wait a second, this guy in verse 12 and 13, you know, there's all the leprosy all over the body. But it says here, it says it had, at the end of verse 13, it has turned white. He is clean. So there's this leprosy all over the body, but he's pronounced clean. I don't get it. A shadow of the things to come. Our complete and total incorruption, it happens in our glorified bodies. Don't forget that you're still in our, we're still in our earth suits. We're still in our earth suits, straight up. Don't forget. You're going to be there. You're still going to wrestle with the flesh. The same way I wrestle with the flesh. You know, Lord willing, it's going to be less and less and less. Because it's like, you know, if you're a crackhead, you're not wrestling with crack anymore. You're a crackhead, and then you start wrestling with the thoughts about crack. And then, you know, the Lord heals you from that. And now you're wrestling, and you're like, you know, you maybe you're wrestling with, uh, I don't know, road rage. You know, and then the Lord heals you from that. And then, you know, you don't road rage anymore, but then you think about road rage. And then the Lord heals you from that. And now it's like you're like repenting for little things. You know, Lord, for, I shouldn't say little things, but I meant, you know, like, Things that you used to think were no big deal. You're like, wow, Lord, forgive me. You know, I I don't know. Something little. And it's like, wow, Lord, forgive me. And then the Lord heals you from that. And you're like, wow, Lord, forgive me that I even thought about doing that little thing, you know. And then you're repenting, Lord, forgive me. I, I even, you know, that I even consider that little thing, you know. And it's so cool because you have that intimacy with the Lord. And the whole time, you know, He knows your, He knows the thoughts of your heart already. You just talk with them. Like what father doesn't want to talk with their kids? Talk with them. It's like a, I think of a phone conversation. You know, you speak, you pray unto the Lord. And then, you know, you take a pause and you let him speak. Let him get his words in edgewise. You say, what do you mean? The Lord speak? Yes. Open up the Bible and you read. Let the Lord speak. You know, you read a couple verses and you pray. Read a couple more verses. Pray. Read a couple more chapters. Pray. It's like a conversation. You speak, he speaks. You pray, and then he teaches you from his word. It's pleasing unto the Lord. And you're growing the whole time. And you're getting a picture of what he deems as clean and unclean. I mean, like, look at the things we've studied so far in the law about cleanliness and uncleanliness in accordance to the law. And when we read it and understand it with new covenant eyes, it's like, whoa, Lord, you do have a problem with these things. You do have a problem with, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And so look what happens here in verse 14. 
But when raw flesh, remember raw flesh is like that, that uh, uh, freshness of flesh, like nakedness. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. So you see this guy has leprosy, not just a little patch of leprosy. It's all over his body. Verse 12 says, you know, all over the skin, uh, from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, it's like leprosy all over, except it's white. So he's clean. This guy is clean. But then if raw flesh appears on him, he is unclean. Nakedness. It's a picture of a person needing a covering. In the same way you or I need a covering. You know, we might have, uh, you look all over our body and we have this whiteness all around us. Okay, clean. But then what happens is like, okay, you know, I'm going to get drunk again. You know, oh, I'm going to go back to the crack pipe. I'm going to go back to the sexual stuff. No, don't do that. That's uncleanness. Don't go to uncleanness. In verse 15, and the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean, it is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore? He is clean. And there's going to be times in your walk with Christ where, you know, you're going to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's part of his ministry. He's growing you. You're going to feel conviction for one thing. And then in the course of time, you won't feel convicted. I remember times I used to sit in the pews and listen to a sermon. And I'd feel like, man, somebody's lighting a fire under my seat. Like, man, it's all like hardcore conviction. Like I'm straight up sweating. Like, whoa, whatever this pastor is saying, it's like, whoa, this is like a knife in my heart. Then I would repent. And then like, you know, a year later, five months later, the same topic came up. And I was like, wow, the fire's gone. I don't feel convicted anymore. It's like, wow, the Lord healed me. And you're going to feel the exact same thing. The exact same thing. But then, you know, it, you're always going to feel these little fires. Like, whoa, it's like a knife in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. Because He wants to change you. He wants to grow you. And so, look what happens here. It says, um, uh, in verse 18, If the body develops a boil in the skin, and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a bright spot, reddish-white, then it shall be shown to the priest. <clears throat> and if, when the priest sees it, it indeed appears deeper than the skin, and its hair has turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore which has broken out of the boil. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in it, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. So another period of quarantine. And if it should at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. Very interesting. When, when uh, uh, you know, a leprous sore... And then, you know, the priest, you know, a period of quarantining, and then the priest checks it again. And if it has not grown or if it's healed, then, you know, another period of quarantine and it's pronounced clean. But then what happens when that leprosy spreads? You start to see the concern that the Lord has, not wanting that blemish to spread. What does that say about you? What does that say about me? What happens, you know, the little sidesteps that we mentioned when we studied the law of trespassing. The little sidesteps. It's not that the sidestep, you know, 
banishes us from the presence of the Lord. But what happens when the sidestep, 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 and all of a sudden the carnal nature becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and it spreads. You know what happens when the carnal nature becomes bigger and bigger and bigger? The ears become more deaf. With each sidestep, the ears become more deaf, the eyes become more blind, and the heart becomes more hard. And that's what Satan wants. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy all that is holy in your life. He wants to destroy. Sadly, many people let him. Many Christians let him. Sadly, many pastors, elders, Bible teachers fail to equip. Fail to teach and equip. And look look what we see today. An anemic church. Remember the demon, you know, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know. But who are you? At a time for the last days, at a time that, you know, when when, uh, demonic activity is going to be amped up on high. And then all of a sudden the church is ill-prepared, ill-equipped, little babies. See, Satan's smart. When I say he's quite the strategist, I don't just say that. But he is quite the strategist. It's almost like the church has been prepped all these years, all these decades, prepped to fall. Don't forget that when the the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's going to be given power to overcome the saints. To overcome Christians, believers. He's going to be given power to overcome and prevail against against the saints. It will happen. And so let's continue reading. In verse um, 23, But if the bright spot stays in one, sp- one place and has not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. You see, the spreading of imperfection the Lord doesn't like. You know, not, not physical. I'm not speaking physical. Like if you're a teenager and you got pimples, and you know, you say you got zits all over the place, you don't... I've talked to teenagers before and they have the pizza face, you know, and you talk to these teenagers with the pizza face and it's like, but look, you know, your blemishes, that's, you know, they have product for that. You know, it's, it's, you're beautiful in the eyes of the Lord, beautiful in the eyes of the Lord because the Lord is concerned about the inside. That's why parents sometimes, I have such a hard, hard time with parents sometimes. Because I hear what they say to their kids, they're telling their young daughters, oh, you got to look like this, you got to dress like this, you got to wear your makeup like this. You really think the Lord is concerned about outward appearance? I mean, He's not. But when you instill these carnal things into kids, you know, a five-year-old and a ten-year-old, and then all of a sudden, you know, a twelve-year-old girl gets her first zit. And then thir- at age 13, she's got zits all over the place. And she thinks like, wow, you know what? I'm, I'm not pretty, you know. At age 16, she has even more zits. And it's like, wow, I'm not pretty anymore. Boy, I'm not handsome anymore. It's like, who told you? Who told you that handsomeness or beauty had anything to do with your outward appearance? Who told you that? I mean, it's one thing you see it on TV. You see it on magazines. You see it in the news. You see it all over the place in the TV shows, movies. But where do you see it in the church? It gives you a picture of the carnality in the church because you might see it all over the church. 
little cliques, little groups, the popular kids, the nerdy kids, you know, the dorky ones, the techies, the whatever. Just It's just like a little high school. That's not right before the Lord. Because we're one body in Christ. I remember, you know, I used to go out golfing with the, some Christian guys. And we were just a wreck. People would look at us like, what What kind of group are you? Because we'd have like this fat old guy, you know, fat young guy. That was me. <laughs> you have this nerdy kid, you know, the smelly guy, you know. I mean, he took showers, but I mean, he still smelled. And it's like, you know, you have this weird group of people and nerds. And like, like what kind of crew is this? You know, if you, normally you see a carnal crew and it's like, okay, they all dress the same, bunch of jocks. You know, a bunch of nerds, you know, they're all some kind of similarities, you know, but like, you know, in the church, you see like old, young, chubby, skinny, pizza face, all, you know, the nerds, all these different people. It's like, whoa, that's the body of Christ. Beautiful. Because what is the Lord doing inside the temple? The carnal people, they can't see it. They can't see the commonality. But the Christian, we know the commonality. It's Jesus Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit inside of our temples. That's our commonality. One in Christ. So I'm not talking about like the carnal imperfections. You know, physical like zits. You know, talk to teenagers about zits. And they have this, you know, they're so self-conscious. And if you're a parent, you know, raise your kids, you know, not to have that self-conscious, carnal self-conscious. Where they think, oh, you know, I don't look like this, so I'm ugly. I don't look like this, so I'm a dork. You know, I don't behave like this, so I'm a dummy. You know, you tell them about the carnal nature. You want to behave carnally? That's what being a dummy is. You know, you think that this is what being a man is? That's not a man, that's a dummy. Tell them. You tell a young girl, you want to behave like this worldly girl? That's a dummy, that's an idiot, that's ugly in the eyes of the Lord. You know what beauty in the eyes of the Lord is? Let's read these passages. So they can understand and they themselves can start to make the distinction between holy and unholy. And then they have to make a choice. Nakedness. It needs to be covered. You know, Old Testament, New Testament, nakedness needs to be covered. So beautiful how the Lord teaches us these things. And so look what happens here in verse 24. Or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish white or white, then the priest shall examine it. So, you know, you start to see that, you start to read this, and it's like, wow, the priest, it's like, it's like a full-time job. The priest, he's inspecting all these things. Remember, it's not just one guy or two guys or three guys. It's like a whole, a whole nation of Israel. And, you start to see the earlier passages about God's provision, God's provisions for the priests. You know how they didn't have to, you know, the, the, the provisions for how they could have food from people, from people's offerings unto the Lord. A portion of the offering was for their food, for their bread. It's not like so they could be freeloaders. It's because the priests themselves, they had a job to do. And what was their job? Helping people be clean before the Lord. That's why in the church, church age, Paul had every right to take. Paul even told the church in Corinth, look, I, I have every right to, you know, take money, to take an offering from you guys. Biblically, he says, I have every right to do it. But he says, he's, he's the one who says, I refuse to do it. Freely I have received, freely I, I give. 
And what did he give? The Word of God. He taught the people the Word of God. Meanwhile, he'd work during the day making tents. Making tents, sewing. Imagine Paul. What a beautiful, beautiful soul he is. A beautiful man. I'm, there's, I'm so in love with all of our family in the Word of God, but there's certain ones that it's just like, whoa, this guy, this lady, they are like, I'm going to have special hugs for them when we're in heaven. Special, special hugs. I don't even know. They're gonna have to, you're going to have to pry me away. You know, okay, you let go of them now, you know. You have to pry me away. And it's so cool. This It's like, wow, you know, like during the day, like beat up at night, you know, left for dead. He gets up in the morning. What is he doing? He's sewing a tent, making a tent so that he can sell it. You know, yeah, I'll sell you this tent, 20 bucks, 50 bucks. I don't know what the going rate is or what the monetary value was. But that was just 20 bucks, 50 bucks. And you go out, you know, have breakfast. This entourage that was with them, you know, Timothy, Silas, all these people that were with them. He'd buy them breakfast. You know, hey, guys, let's get something to eat. Let's have some bread, you know. And he'd, he'd bankroll everything. So it's like, you know, it's, I love Paul so much because he didn't want to burden the church. He didn't want to be a financial burden to the church. He just wanted to give them the word of God, teach them. Meanwhile, he was making tents. That's, the, that's how he made money. Tent maker. So he says here in verse 25, Then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot has turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, it is leprosy broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosor. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days, another quarantine, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it has at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. If it has at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosor. See, the concern for the spreading of the disease of the leprosy. Spreading. You know, it's one thing, you know, if you sidestep. You know, trespass. You know, in, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, in our faith as Christians, to sidestep. I don't want to say it's okay, but it's okay. I guess, you know, I don't like saying it's okay, but it's, you know, not all things are beneficial. Not all things are, you know, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. You know, you're going to sidestep. It's part of the learning, what we learn as Christians. You're going to sidestep. And when you sidestep to the left, make sure you repent and take a sidestep to the right and get in the middle of the narrow path. You know, don't sidestep once to the left, sidestep again to the left, sidestep again and again and again. Because the further you sidestep, remember, the more blind you're going to get, the more deaf you're going to get, and the more hard your heart is going to get. So you sidestep to the left, make sure you sidestep back to the right. Repent and get back to the right. You know, it's to be right in the middle of the narrow path. Don't let your sidestep spread. You start to see this concern about leprosy. And what is it? Number one, is a person does a person have a sore? Is a person leprous? And then number two, after a period of quarantine, is that leprosy? Is it spreading? Is it spreading? And when it spreads, a person is pronounced unclean. But as a shadow of the things to come, what does it show us as Christians? You see? Trespassing. It's okay, but it's not okay. That's my way of saying, you know, all, all things are, uh, 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 not all things are beneficial. You know, permissible, but not beneficial. 
So it's permissible to sidestep left, but make sure you sidestep right. So sidestep left, it's permissible, but what's not beneficial is to sidestep left, 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 left. Make sure that's what the enemy wants. So all these things that we read in Leviticus are a shadow of the things to come. Jesus Christ and even you and me in Jesus Christ as we wear his garment that he gives us. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit as well. And so he says here in verse 29. If a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard, then the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if it appears deeper than the skin and there is in it thin yellow hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scaly leprosy of the head or beard. But if the priest examines the scaly sore, and indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days. So more quarantine. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if the scale has not spread and there is no yellow hair in it and the scale does not appear deeper than the skin, he shall shave himself. But the scale he shall not shave. And the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days more quarantine. On the seventh day, the priest shall examine the scale. And indeed, if the scale has not spread over the skin and does not appear Deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. So it hasn't spread. No spreading, clean. And he shall wash the clothes and be wash his clothes and be clean. Remember, this is for men and women. Like in verse 29, if a man or woman, you see, it's men or male, female. Now, a little comment I have to say. Not so much here, but when we get further into the Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles, we're gonna see some pretty bad priests. We're going to see some bad priests, carnal priests, with some sexual improprieties. And then we're going to see God's response to it. God's response to unfaithful priests. And, you know, we live in the church age. And for the most part, we don't see God's response to carnal pastors, carnal elders, carnal Bible teachers. For the most part, you know, sometimes you see it when... You see like a, 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 a pastor, say like a youth pastor who has sexual improprieties. And instead of taking a young girl and making her clean before the Lord with the word of God, what does he do? He takes his position of authority and he abuses it for the sake of turning that child, turning that sheep or lamb into his object of to fulfill his lustly passions. His passions of the flesh. Number one, it's disgusting. Number two, it's disgusting in the eyes of the Lord. And sometimes we get to see what the Lord does with such a soul. I should say such a person. You know, maybe the person gets, goes to prison for a little bit. Goes to jail, gets, registers as a sex offender. But what we don't get to see is what happens to that soul. If that soul does not repent what happens to that person? The Bible tells us, but we don't exactly see. In the Old Testament, we get to see how the Lord deals with such people. And a lot of it is death. Death. And I say this as a hardcore warning to pastors, elders, and Bible teachers. If you're in your position of authority and you're using it to abuse, you're using it to fulfill your lust of the flesh with God's people, Take a lesson from 
the stupid priests. Take a lesson from them. The Lord killed them. The Lord took their lives. You say like, well, that's too hardcore. No, it isn't. It is not too hardcore. If you're a Bible teacher, elder, pastor, you're held to a higher standard, a higher account. You don't love people, but fear the Lord. Don't fear people. You know what a lot of pastors are? They fear people more than they fear the Lord. If that's you, you need to repent. Don't do that. If the Lord has called you into ministry, then what the Lord desires you to do is cleanse people, clean people. Take the filthy and you clean them with the word of God as gently as you possibly can. You clean them with the word of God. And then they're right before the Lord. And you keep doing rinse and repeat, you know, until the Lord says otherwise. Or, you know, till you're dead or the Lord, Lord raptures us. I happen to believe we're a last day's generation. I believe that the generation alive today is the generation that will not precede those who have died in Christ. The rapture of the church. And every day that passes, it gets more firm. The Lord could tarry. The Lord could tarry. That's why in a lot of my sermons, you hear me mention the last days quite a bit. Because I don't want you to grow lax in these last days. Not at all. I don't want you to grow lax in these last days. But praise the Lord, because, you know, you read the writings of Peter, Paul, and the early church. They always said, you know, in these last days. So praise the Lord, you know, we're in good company. If you believe we're last days generation, praise the Lord. You're in good company. So, you know, I have to say that, you know, about in verse 34, where we ended, he says, He shall wash his clothes and be clean. You know, it includes male, female. Pastors in a pastoral authority, it's not to abuse your authority and, you know, at sexual relations. It's not, don't do that. Don't do that at all. If you have the thoughts, repent of the thoughts. And you, know, you might have to go on hiatus for a little bit. And you know, step down for six months, a year, I don't know. And get your heart right with the Lord. If you've committed the act, number one, repent. Number two, get right with the Lord. And getting right with the Lord, you know, you might have to, you know, call the police and say, look, I'm guilty of this. Might have to do prison time. But praise be the Lord, you won't burn in hell. So let's look what happens here in verse 35. But if this if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the scale has spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair, he is unclean. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill and there is black hair grown up in it, the scale has healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. So the imperfection is not growing, it's not spreading. Praise the Lord, it's clean. Just like with you and me today, you know, sidestep, you know, sidestep left, don't keep your little sidestep going, you know, pause, reflect. Pray, you might have to pray. And you know, as the Holy Spirit's convicting you, it's so cool because you take one little sidestep left. And what do you feel? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. And what's bad is if you take a sidestep left and you don't feel conviction. That's not good. That's a good indicator that you're, you're getting more deaf and deaf, more blind and deaf. You take one little sidestep to the left and boom, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. One little sidestep left again. And what do you feel? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if you dare take another step left, it's almost like the Holy Spirit's going to just pull you back. It's 
palpable. And praise the Lord because that one little sidestep, that's what's cool for parents. You know, parents, with, you know, when you're raising little ones in the Lord, you know, you, you see like, you, like a kid does something bad. It's like, boom, get on their case. Does something bad. Boom, get on their case. Because they're going to take that with them. And you know, when they're 10, 12, you can tell them, look, I've been getting on your case. You know, you've had it easy. But you know, when I'm not around, the Holy Spirit's going to get on your case too. And you tell them, you know, I've taught you. I've taught you what it feels like when you have an authority getting on your case. And so the kid's 15, starts playing with his friends, playing with their friends by themselves, you know, gets a driver's license, go out by themselves, and then boom, the Holy Spirit's going to convict them. Yeah, mom and dad aren't around, but boom, the Holy Spirit's there. And they're going to feel like, man, I remember when my mom used to get in my case, my dad used to get in my case, and my friends want to go do drugs. Like, no way. I'm going to get right back to where I need to be. You see, raising the next generation of righteousness, raising them in righteousness. So verse 38, if a man or woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, specifically white bright spots, then the priest shall look. And indeed, if the bright spots on the skin of the body are dull white, it is a white spot that grows on the skin. He is clean. So white spots. Okay. I love that white spots, you know, it says, as for the man whose hair has fallen from his head, he is bald, but he's clean. He is clean. So it's okay. It's, he's bald. You talk to bald guys, you know, they're kind of bummed out. They're like, man, I'm bald. I don't have any hair anymore. I hate hair because I, you know, like when my hair starts to grow long, I, I like having my hair short. Like when I feel, feel like a gust of wind, you know, I feel like I have a bug in my hair, like a gust of wind blows it. I feel like, man, there's like a fly landed in my hair. And then it just bugs me for the rest of my uh, Like, you know, you're freshly out of shower. You walk outside. I mean, you know, you get, you know, put your stuff on. You, know, you walk outside and you're like clean. And then you like walk through a spider web and you feel dirty for the rest of the day. That's how I feel with like a gust of wind. You know, so like my hair moves and I feel like, man, I got like bugs in my hair. I just hate it. So it's like, you know, praise the Lord. Like if the Lord gives me baldness, I'd be like, wow, you know, I don't have to feel it anymore. But here in the law, it says in verse 40, for as for the man whose hair has fallen from his head, he's ba- he is bald, but he's clean. And so a lot of, if you're bald and you're listening to this, it's okay, you know. Yeah, I happen to think it'd be cool, to advantageous to be bald. And so it says here in verse 41, he whose hair has fallen from his forehead, he is bald on his forehead, but he is clean. And if there is on the bald head or bald forehead, a reddish white sore, it is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the swelling of the sore is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, as in the appearance of leprosy on the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore on his head. You see? So, you know, it's like, you're bald, and then you have a, it's okay, but then you're bald with a sore, then the priest has to look at it and say, okay, is this clean or is it unclean? And if it's pronounced unclean, now look what happens in verse 45. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. So everybody would know, I mean, if you're walking around, it's like, I don't, you can't touch me. Because it's like, you know, the leprosy, the, you know, it's like an Old Testament example of leaven. You know, it's like I had to cover myself. If, I'm, if we're in the law and I have the bald, but then I have a sore and the priest pronounces it as, as unclean, then I have to cover myself. 
you know, it's like all these things. And then uh, yeah, I have to say unclean, unclean. And so everybody would know that I'm unclean. In verse 46, he shall be unclean all the days he has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You see, remember, a little leaven leavens the bunch. And, you know, in accordance with the law, what the Lord is saying, that a, a leprosy is unclean. And take what's unclean and, hey, this person needs to go outside the camp. Just like a little leaven leavens the bunch. And Paul says, take that guy and get him out of the church because a little leaven leavens the bunch. You get into 2 Corinthians, Paul says, take that guy and bring him back in the church. You see, it, a lot of parallels. People don't read these parallels between Old Testament and New Testament. But it's important for us as New Covenant believers to understand and read these parallels. Why? Because the Lord teaches us more and more about Him his character, his likes, and his dislikes. Why? So we can have the knowledge. Well, that's part of it, a small fraction of it. But so that we can respond in a manner and live lives in a manner that please him. It's like, wow, Lord, you know what you consider clean and unclean? Not in accordance with the law. But, you know, all these great lengths, it's like, wow, Lord, you know, if I was living in Old Testament times and, you know, there was, you know, whatever, if I was deemed unclean in the law, I'd be ostracized. I would be like kicked out. I'd have to live outside. I'd have to be ostracized and say I was unclean. But then in you, Lord, it's like, wow, you make me clean. Just like the woman who had the bleeding we studied last week. The woman who had her menstrual bleeding for 12 years. The doctors couldn't heal her. Who healed her? Jesus Christ. Her faith made her well. The Lord rewarded her faith. I can't wait to meet this lady. And just tell her, wow, you know, one little passage in Scripture gives an, her account, her encounter with Jesus Christ and her account, what the Lord did in her life. But to tell her, wow, you know what? You grew my faith. My beautiful sister, you grew my faith. Yeah, you had 12 years of Sickness of, you know, nonstop bleeding for 12 years. I mean, consider her weakness. I mean, if you bleed out, you're going to die. But consider like bleeding out for 12 years. I mean, maybe there's like a couple days, a couple weeks where there's no blood. But then boom, it starts flowing again. Consider her weakness. Not full strength. But then in Christ, when she was healed by the Lord, consider her strength. The fullness of life. And to meet this sister, this beautiful sister and say, man, oh, my lovely sister, you know, you grew my faith. You grew my faith. I can't wait to meet all these people. And so let's look at what that says here in uh, verse 47. Also, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, you see like, wow, the Lord is concerned about garments. Yes, that's why he gives you. That's why he gives me a new garment. What is the garment? Himself. You or I, we are the ones who have to put on Christ. We have to put on Christ. 
If a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether whether it is a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it is in the warp or woof of linen or wool. Now this is translated warp warp or woof of linen. It's like if it's weaved or if it's webbed, you know, of linen or wool, whether in leather or in anything made of leather. And if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp or in the woof, or in anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and shall be so shown to the priest. So the garment, you know, has the plague. In Christ, number one, we're a new creation. So he deals with leprosy in accordance with the law, just like what he did in uh, Matthew 8, what we read in Matthew 8, verse 1 through 4. He deals with the leprosy. But then on top of that, as Christians, he gives us new garments himself. And then on top of that, he gives us the Holy Spirit. You see, it's like a triple whammy. How beautiful are his works. You see, he makes us new creations, he gives us a new garment, and he gives us his Holy Spirit. In verse 50, the priest shall examine the plague and isolate that which has the plague seven days. And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day. If the plague is spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the wolf, in the leather or in anything made of leather, the plague is an active leprosy. It is unclean. Active leprosy, meaning it's it hasn't been dealt with. He shall therefore burn that garment which is in the plague, whether warp or woof, in the wool or linen, or anything of leather, for it is an active leprosy. The garment shall be burned in the fire. But if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the wolf or in anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the plague, and he shall isolate it another seven days. Then the priest shall examine the plague after it has been washed. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its color, though the plague has not spread, it is unclean. And you shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away whether the damage is outside or inside. This is very important. Very important. Look at verse 55 in the middle. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its color. Though the plague is not spread, it is unclean and you shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away whether the damage is outside or inside. This is very important. You know why? Because when the Lord makes you a new creation, when he gives you his garment to wear, there's going to be a change. As surely as the Lord lives, there's going to be a change. An indicator of when there's no change, that's not good. In the life of a believer. That's why I say you come to Christ. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your murder, your crack, your sex. I don't care about whatever it is that you did. Your alcohol. I don't care. You say, ah, oh, you know, I've murdered 20 guys. I don't care. I might care for their families. and But I care about your soul. Let's deal with your soul. Once your soul is dealt with, let's call the cops and say, you know, have a list of the people you killed. And, you know, they'll arrest you. You'll start your prison ministry and I'll come visit you. But in terms of your soul, I don't. I could care less. I don't care what you've done. You know, it's got to be dealt with. But you know, let's deal with your soul. Let's get you right with the Lord. And when the Lord makes you a new creation, when you yield to Him and allow Him to make you a new creation, 
and you allow yourself to be robed by Jesus Christ and you allow the Holy Spirit to do our work in you, you will be different. You're not going to cuss anymore. You're not going to be a crackhead anymore. You're not going to desire the crack. You're not going to be a sex addict anymore. You're not going to desire the sex. You're going to not be uh, alcoholic anymore. You're not going to desire the, you know, the strong drink. Your language is going to change. You're going to speak Christianese. You're going to sing song and praise unto the Lord. You're going to worship Him. You're going to adore Him. That's a change. But what happens when there's no change? That means you're playing games with God's grace. You come to Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ. You know, James, Brother James even says, you do well. But he says, even the demons believe, except they tremble. You see? What about the change? That's what I want to know. You believe in Jesus Christ? Cool, praise the Lord. How come you're still cussing like crazy? You know, you were a crackhead when you came to Christ. Why are you still a crackhead? You were on meth when you came to Christ. Why are you still on meth? You know, you were cheating on your wife before you came to Christ. Why are you still cheating on your wife? No change. It's very interesting when we see these things in the Old Testament, in the law about leprosy. Even though what he says here, if the plague has not changed its color, not changed its color, though the plague has not spread, it's still unclean. It continues eating away whether the damage is outside or inside. That's the problem when we play games with the Lord. Say, so, yeah, I believe. You turn church into a social club. Oh yeah, all the cool kids are doing this. I've talked with like single nerdy guys where in the world they can't get a girlfriend because they're nerdy. And it's like, oh, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to do these Christian activities and get a Christian wife. And then the Christian girls, they think like, wow, you know what? I'm going to get a nice godly man. But you're getting a, a, a guy who's playing games with the Lord. He's just coming to church so he can find somebody. He can't get anybody in the world because he's a dork. So he comes to church, tries to get somebody. And then he gets you and then... Pff, crazy. Stupidity begets stupidity begets stupidity. That's how guys think. You know, they go where the girls are. They, oh, I can't get a girl over here, so I'm going to go over here. I can't get a girl over here, so I'm going to go over here. You know, finally, they're so nerdy in all these sectors. They say, okay, I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to get a girl. That's carnality. And because these pastors turn church into a social club, that's what they get. Carnality begets carnality begets carnality. That's why the Lord says, look at the fruit. You have to look at the fruit. You must. I don't care how the appearance, how ugly the guy is, how beautiful the guy is, how ugly the girl is, how beautiful the girl is. I don't care how ugly, whatever. It's all relative. What's going on inside their heart? Where is the work of the Lord inside their heart? And so look at verse 56. If the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear, tear it out of the garment. You see, this is something that the Lord does with you and me. That's why I say, I don't care how dirty you are, you come to Christ. Jesus cleans his own fish. 
Because you can have a whole host of problems, drugs, alcohol, sex, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. And you come to the Lord, you believe in the Lord, and you know what the Lord will do? He'll start cleaning house inside of your heart, inside of his temple, because you've given him your body. And he'll start cleaning house. He'll start going in your, you know, mind, the deep recesses of your mind. And mind you, you're in his in the word, you're reading his word. You're praying to him. Your prayer life is on point. Your time in the Word is on point. When I say on point, I'm just saying, you know, it's, you know, I don't mean on point like you have any carnal measurement, but it's on point, meaning you have one. A prayer life and a Bible life, you have one. And the Lord will clean house inside of you. He'll take your crack addiction. He'll take your sex addiction. He'll take your alcohol addiction. And He'll throw it in the trash. Praise be to the Lord. That's what he's saying here in verse 56. If the priest examines it, indeed the plague is faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You don't need it anymore. It's so cool. It's like, you see, this is what Jesus Christ does with us, with you and with me. And you know what? When you have brothers and sisters in the Lord who advocate such things, I mean, you might have a brother or sister in the Lord. You know, if you're carnal, you're going to hate them. Because they're going to pester you and get on your back all the time. And why are you doing that? Why are you talking like that? Don't do that. You're supposed to be a vessel of honor. You know, don't look at that. You know, don't do this. Don't, don't, you know. When you have brothers and sisters like that in the Lord, number one, that's the fellowship of the saints. Because we're a, a conglomerate of people that have been set apart. A good indicator of your own carnality is when such brothers and sisters start to bug you. When they start to bug you, oh man, get off my back. You know, don't judge me lest you be judged. Get off my back. Why are you always on my back? You're always hounding me about this, hounding me about that. And a good indicator of your own carnality are your sentiments towards such a brother, towards such a sister. An indicator of bad carnality. Not to suggest that carnality can be good, but we're going to be deemed incorrupt when we receive our glorified bodies. But if there's a brother or sister that starts to bug you, sometimes it's a spouse. I remember when my own wife, you know, she used to bug me all the time. Like, man, you're always on my back. Get off my back. You know, I was carnal back then. The first couple of years of our marriage, it was rough for her. I go, get off my back. And, you know, not, I wouldn't say it so nicely. Get off my back, get off my case, and just go out, leave. Come back late at night. And then I realized after the Lord humbled me, I realized, you know, I had to repent and apologize. Like she, she was like fighting where I wasn't fighting, she was fighting for me. You know, I was like a little boy. I thought I was a guy, but I was a little boy, a little baby. And then I grew, I started to understand these things. Like, wow, you know, she was looking out for me. She was fighting for me. You know, so when you have these people in your life that, you know, sometimes they get on your case. And I admit, you know, sometimes they can be annoying. You know, but, you know, let it be reflective of your own carnal nature. Like, wow, Lord, you know, help me be more humble. Because you know what? If you're a dead guy, if you're a dead girl, you know, it's not going to bother you. And when I say dead, I don't mean like suicide. I mean dead like dead to self. 
That's why, you know, like, a few things bother me now. You know, it's like politics, you know, sometimes politics bother me, but even that doesn't bother me anymore. I mean, the world is so crazy now that it's like, it's it's obviously Democrat, Republican, if you're European, if you're, you know, in other parts of the world, you know, Labor Party, you know, all, all these different factions. It's, everybody's so crazy. It's like, you know what, I don't care anymore. All I care is about people being right with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I care for the sake of, you know, I want the next generation to grow in a in a country that they can, you know, survive in. But when you read the passages of Scripture and you read about the last days, there's going to be no survival for both Jew and Christian. No survival. I mean, a remnant survival, but then the rapture of the church. You know, the unblinding of Israel, Zechariah 12, 13 and 14. So the world's just going to get darker and darker and darker. So I do care about politics to a certain degree. But both Democrat, Republican, Labor Party, you know, I don't care what, you know, Independent Party, Libertarian, I don't care. Everybody's going to burn in hell without Jesus Christ. Everybody. And the Lord is not willing that any should perish. Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party, all these different people, Labor Party. The Lord is not willing that any should suffer. That any should perish. Everybody needs Jesus Christ. And so let's look what happens here. In verse um, 56. If the priest examines it and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or out of the wolf or out of the leather. But if it appears again in the garment, either warp in the warp or in the wolf or in anything made of leather, it is a spreading plague. You shall burn with fire that in which is the plague. You say like, whoa, this is harsh. This is harsh. But you know, you see this. Uh, all these opportunities. You see that? Okay, you look at verse 57. You say, whoa, this is harsh. Burn it in the fire. But all these opportunities that a person has to go to the priest, for the priest to inspect, to be cleansed, more inspection, more cleansing, Get a new garment, you know. Uh, this burning of the garment, it's easier to understand when you see the application of grace and mercy. I mean, this is straight up in the law, and you're talking about grace and mercy. Yeah, I'm talking about grace and mercy. Straight up in the law. All these opportunities. Why do I say that? Look at all the opportunities a person has. I'll, I'll, I'll boil it down. I'll get more personal. All the opportunities I had in my life to get right with the Lord. As much as I desire His coming, I desire it greatly. There's no greater desire than I have than to be with the Lord. And as much as I desire that, I understand, Lord, You are long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And how thankful I am that He didn't come you know, when I didn't know him. How thankful I am. Because I'd be burning in hell right now. If that were the case. If he did come prior to my knowing him. I would be burning in hell. And maybe you're in a situation where you too would be burning in hell. All these opportunities for people to be right with the Lord. Including yourself. To be right with the Lord. But then even when, you know, the coming of the Lord comes. The, the fullness of the Gentiles. You start to understand, like, okay, Lord, 
I get it. I get it. This wanton disregard for you, Lord. And that's another thing that's interesting about these days that we live in. You see wickedness, but it's a different kind of wickedness from just five years ago. On a global scale. You see wickedness, but it's it's different. I mean, like, for example, like yeah, uh, a, a, a person, instead of shooting somebody, a person will, like, chop off their heads. Chop them up, you know, into little pieces. Instead of an employee embezzling from some uh, their employer, you know, the other day the the CEO, the the Silicon Valley CEO, he was chopped up by his assistant. Man, he's got a pretty bum assistant to chop up his former employer, chop him up into pieces, or a mother, you know, who kills her child. It's evil's a little different, and it's a little more. It's like proud. It's like on full display, like, I don't, I can't describe it with words. I don't have a lot. My vocabulary is pretty small, which is why you hear me repeat a lot of things. So my vocab is pretty small, but maybe, you know, but the wickedness is just different. It's like, it's been turned up. It's like on full display, wanton disregard for the Lord, wanton disregard for holy things. And it's like, whoa, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse in the last days. But even still, the Lord is long-suffering. So I say, you read these passages like verse 57, it says you shall burn the garment with fire. It's not to say that you, I mean, you understand it when you see these opportunities for grace and mercy, even in this passage in Leviticus. In verse 58, and if you wash the garment, either warp or woof or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time and it shall be clean. This is the law of the leprous plague in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or woof or anything made of leather to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. As new covenant believers, you and me today, this is something that Jesus has done with us. And is doing with us. Making us more clean. He does it with us directly. Remember we have a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And the veil was torn from top to bottom. He died on the cross and said to Telestai. And the veil in the, tep- in, the te- in the in the temple was torn. In the Holy of Holies was torn top to bottom. New covenant. New priest. New high priest in the order of Melchizedek. See? It's so beautiful because the Lord is the one who makes us clean. The Lord makes you clean. The Lord makes me clean. And He makes us cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And He's going to stop when we're dead. You're going to be dead. And if you you should die before His coming, you know, you're going to fall asleep. And you're going to be asleep. And you're going to rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will by no means precede those who are dead, who have died in Christ. What a beautiful reunion that's going to be. Marriage. You see how beautiful this is? The Lord making people holy in the law and through the law. But when he came to fulfill the law, still in the same business, making people holy. What do I say? Be holy. What did Moses write about? What the Lord told him to say? Be holy. What did Brother Peter write about? And tell the people? Be holy. So what do I say? Be holy. If you're a Bible teacher, 
pastor, elder, what do you tell your people? Be holy. If you're a Christian, you know, pew Christian, what do you tell people around you? Be holy. What is holiness? We find it in the passages of Scripture. Holy Scripture. This is holiness. So we're going to end our study here. Pick up in chapter 14, Lord willing, next week. God bless you guys. Love you guys.